If you walk into the San Luis Obispo Public Library these days and you take the stairs to the second floor, you will see signs on the way up that say, no food slash drink allowed on the second floor. Okay, that seems a reasonable prohibition in a library, but why second floor in particular? Upon reaching the second floor, you will see similar white type on black background signs that say, no photography. And you will also quickly see stretched across the main aisle in front of the fiction stacks the inspiration for these prohibitions. A long, continuous, glass-topped case set upon, I don't know, five or six big square wooden boxes And looking down into the case, you will see a long typewritten scroll that runs the whole length of the case and indeed would run well beyond the length of the case as you can see a substantial unrolled portion at the far end. We can put the... If you look closer, you can see that this scroll was constructed from taped together pages. And one of the poster boards on the end caps of the fiction shelves informs you that 40 of the total 120-foot manuscript scroll is displayed. It begins, and you don't need to read this. (laughs) In fact, some of it might offend, so don't read too far. Uh, It says, but it begins, I first met Neil not long after my father died. I had just gotten over a serious illness that I won't bother to talk about, except that it really had something to do with my father's death and my awful feeling that everything was dead. With the coming of Neil, there really began for me that part of my life that you could call my life on the road. This is indeed the beginning of the original version of the novel On the Road by Jack Kerouac a book that was published in 1957, some six years after he wrote it. The story goes that once beginning to write this saga, Kerouac wanted to keep the flow of words coming without having to pause to put in new pages. So he taped these pages together, 120 feet, rolled it into the typewriter, and began typing in one consistent flow without any paragraph breaks. The published version was edited from this manuscript. Paragraphs were added and other grammatical changes were made. And the names of real people were changed to the names of fictional characters. And now you may be wondering where this is going. (laughs) Seems a little quirky to be talking about something so oddly specific. You may not be a Kerouac fan, have quite possibly not read On the Road, or not been particularly impressed if you did. May well not even know of the book or the author, and further, may not care. So we can probably take that off the screen for now. Thank you, Ken. I get it. Even for me, a Kerouac fan since I was a teenager, devouring books by and about the beat generation all my life. Even for me, hearing about the fact that this display was touring the country and then hearing that this display was coming here, I thought, oh, you know, that will be interesting. 
and it is. I did not, however, expect to be moved, but I was. As I leaned over the case and read those first words that I quoted earlier, I swallowed to remove a lump in my throat and blinked back just the slightest hint of tears. It was something about the look of the typewritten words and remembering the first typewriter I bought for myself at 16 years old, wanting to be Kerouac. It was something about remembering reading Kerouac, who in all his books was remembering his life and how his remembering and sharing his remembering has now become a part of my remembering forever. It was something about realizing that my memories of reading Kerouac's memories have changed over time as I passed from youth to young adulthood to middle age to my present age, 11 years older than Kerouac lived to be. As I passed from single to married to parenthood, as I moved from active addiction to recovery, as I moved from one part of the country to another to another to here, where Kerouac himself lived for a few months before he was published, but with many books already written and at the peak of his powers. It was something about how I see things differently as I age and continue to sort through all of my memories and dreams and reflections, and so I see what Kerouac saw and recorded from a different perspective. And it was something about realizing that, of course, it was not just about Kerouac and certainly not just about me, but about the memories we all have over time and how they change over time and how they change us over time, about the stories we tell to one another and the stories we don't tell and why, about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and the stories we don't and why, about how we shape stories and how stories shape us, about the stories we don't tell and how the silence shapes us about the stories that are yet to be told if we but have the courage to speak truthfully and the commitment to listen deeply. It was something about this month's theme, vision. Thinking about Kerouac's vision of his own life and life itself, sitting down at that typewriter after preparing his scroll with scotch tape with the presumptuous attitude that he might, if he really tried, be able to articulate some small piece of his experience, to articulate what happened when he engaged with this amazing process we all find ourselves involved in, which we call existence. And that if he did do that, he had the further audacity to imagine that it would matter to someone, that it would matter to him. And it would matter to him that it mattered to someone. He had the audacity to imagine that it would matter. It was something about my own deep conviction that our stories matter, each of us. And that telling our stories is a holy task and hearing our stories is a holy task. That we must listen for how we shape our stories and look also for the ways that the stories we tell and the stories we hear shape us.
looking down into that glass case and just in time seeing another sign at the corner of the glass that said, please don't lean on the display. Looking down into that glass case, I remembered some lines from the song we heard in the prelude. When we tell our story from deep inside and we listen with a loving mind and we hear our voices in each other's words, then our heart is in a holy place. But telling our stories necessarily involves delving into our pasts. There are those who would suggest that this is time wasted. Wherever you may have been, here you are. Life starts now. Previous chapters in your story do not so much matter. It is only the current page that matters. Wisdom teachers across the ages have reminded us to live in the present moment. Look to this day, for it is life, the very life of life, for yesterday is but a dream. Kalidasa. The secret of health for both mind and body is to live in the present moment both wisely and earnestly. The Buddha. Life is available only in the present moment. Thich Nhat Hanh. The ability to be in the present moment is a major component of mental wellness. Abraham Maslow. Be here now. Ram Dass. But it is one thing to escape the present by traveling into the past with nostalgia or regret and another to mine our memories to better understand the present, to reflect on what has shaped us so we can indeed be more fully present to this moment. We are not so much journeying into the past as making ourselves aware that, to paraphrase William Faulkner, the past is not dead, it is not even past. Our memories are a product of the present moment. Remember then, there is only one time that is important. Now, writes Leo Tolstoy, and he put an exclamation point. It is the most important time because it is the only time when we have any power. Unquote. Yes, and one of the powers we can employ in this present moment, as Tolstoy well knew, is the power to tell our story to attempt to understand how our story has shaped us and to use that understanding to shape our story moving forward. We do not search our memory for would-have-beens or could-have-beens, but for what truly was experienced and how it felt and how we responded and may choose to respond in the present. Erna Christensen reminded me just yesterday that Carl Jung, psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, and writer from whose book I borrowed the title for this sermon, Carl Jung believed that the cause of things which happen in our lives was far less important than the meaning. Our hearts go with wherever that siren is going. The cause of what has happened is far less important than the meaning which we derive from it, the meaning we create from it. And that is what we are all doing, right? We humans are storytellers. 
and meaning makers. And there is no true and easy starting point to any story we tell. We always start in the messy middle. I first met Neil not long after my father died. I had just gotten over a serious illness that I won't bother to talk about except that it really had something to do with my father's death and my awful feeling that everything was dead. Because life comes at us without any built-in paragraph breaks or chapter headings, without time for the clarifying punctuation marks that give shape to the experience and provide clarity for the reader, without a sense of where we are headed, what the pivotal moments may be, how far the scroll of our lives stretches. But we are the writers who breathe meaning into the memories. New meaning, perhaps with each new moment, because our perspective is changing and our understanding is deepening and new confusions arise and old conclusions are discarded and we pick up the stories in different places and gain new insight into ourselves and this existence and we answer the question, however haltingly and imperfectly, we answer the question for ourselves, what does it mean? Look well, therefore, to this day. For today, well lived, makes every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Yeah, well, maybe. (laughs) I don't want to soft-pedal the realities of our lives. Suffering is real. Being here now can be a painful place to be. I considered and rejected a possible story for all ages today that held the message, you can achieve whatever you dream. If you dream it, you can be it. I don't think that's true. I think that feel-good message may have caused more people to stop dreaming than to start when they come up against what is real. Hold fast to dreams, yes, I agree with Langston Hughes, but not with the promise that every dream can come true, rather with the promise that life for all its problems is worthy of our most sincere engagement and it can hold great joy in some unlikely places. And dreams are sometimes their own reward, not only for what they may inspire us to achieve, but for the creative ways our minds shuffle and reconfigure and play with the stuff of our lives. Having hope has to do with having a future story, which can be as humble as something that simply calls us into the next moment with a sense of possibility. Be here now, yes, but that call into the next moment is a product of this present moment too. Not to escape the present by choosing to live solely in an imagined future with single-minded ambition or worry, but to mine our dreams, both waking and sleeping dreams, to better understand the present, to reflect on what calls us into the future so that we can indeed be more fully present to this moment. 
May we all be here with and for one another as our stories unfold, practicing patience, compassion, and empathy, accepting our differences and shortcomings, and keeping a sense of humor. The one thing we will never be able to see is how Jack Kerouac originally ended the book, On the Road. It seems that the very end of the scroll is missing, and it's just a ragged edge with Kerouac's inscription, Eight by Patchkey, a dog. <laughs> Patchkey was a cocker spaniel that belonged to his friend Lucian Carr. That has got to be one of the most famous dog ate my homework stories <laughs> ever. May we pay attention to our memories, dreams, and reflections, knowing that our stories matter to ourselves and to others, knowing that our stories meet and overlap and inspire one another in this interdependent web of all existence, knowing that the mind goes on, the brain ripples, the moon sinks, and everybody in the world dreams every night, tying all humanity together in one unspoken union. <laughs>